Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the Word of God in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone, whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same things to them. Excuse me, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Ephesians chapter 6. Father, thank you once again for your word, which is the sword of the Spirit. Thank you for your word, which is you. Thank you for how that through your word you comfort us, you encourage us, you counsel us, you guide us, you strengthen us, you mold us, you shape us, you comfort, and again, you continue to bless us in so many ways through your powerful, perfect word. 
With every passing day, more and more, help us to fall more in love with you and your word and help us to become much more the diligent students of your word that you've called us to be reading and studying your word daily, daily being in your word and teaching and training and guiding our children to to learn to love you and love your word and read it and follow it every day. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Isaac Jackson is our producer. He's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for these moments. And Father, I ask that you'd speak today through your scriptures. Father, I ask that you'd open our ears, that you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds, so that we'd see you as who you are truly. Father, I ask that we would use the Bible as a measuring stick against everything we do. Father, I ask that it would be our law, our commandments, our goodwill, that it would be our guide in following who you are. Thank you, Jesus, so much for coming down from heaven to come in the form of a man to die for our sins. And uh, you're so good to us. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. You know, I'm I think of the scripture, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, that tells us, well, the Lord is speaking to his servant Abraham, and he tells him, Fear not, Abraham, for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And God refers to himself as being a reward, and of course, God is the greatest reward in all of life. And my encouragement to every listener is to be mindful of the fact that when you or I are wise enough to make time to get into God's Word, we are literally rewarding ourselves. We're blessing ourselves in many ways. And remember, actually, when you're reading and studying the Word of God, you're blessing yourself and blessing the Lord all at the same time because God Himself delights in His Word, and He likes likes us to delight in His Word because, in part, one of the reasons is He knows that when we delight in God's Word, we're causing the grace of his grace to pour into our lives in a much greater way. So may it be your goal today to make it a high priority to open the Word of God and read and thus spend time one-on-one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to share an article with you before we get into reading through the Word today. The article is one we've shared before, but again, it's a very encouraging one as well as one with wisdom that we're wise to apply every day. The title, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own reward. And again, of course, if you want to get a copy, email us, joseph at afr.net. We're glad to share the article with you. And again, it can be found on the AFA stand. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why is it so important to give thanks to God in the good times and the bad, in the sunshine and the rain? Well, one reason is that life is a gift. Another reason is thanksgiving and praise are powerful weapons that help you to be an overcomer and a winner in life. See 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is true no matter what the obstacles or trials you face in your life. Allow me to share a tremendous illustration of this truth and reality. Francis had what many would consider a tough, tragic, and troubled life. A doctor's error left her at six weeks of age with lifelong blindness, Her father passed away when she was very young. She was raised by her mother and grandmother. Many in today's world would believe that Frances had plenty of reasons to be unhappy, depressed, and without hope. However, in her autobiography, Frances June Crosby chose to write these amazing words. It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank him 
before the dispensation. The doctor who made the mistake later moved away. However, Francis wrote, If I could meet him now, I would say thank you, thank you over and over again for making me blind. Though many may conclude that living a life with blindness would be a sad, disappointing life, Francis considered it to be one of her greatest blessings. She considered her blindness to be a gift from God. She said, I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice. By the way, many know Francis June Crosby so much better by the name Fanny Crosby, the great hymn and song writer. Fanny blessed the church and the world with songs that include Blessed Assurance, To God Be the Glory, Redeemed, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, and many others. She, she is a tremendous example of one who lived with a grateful spirit and with an attitude of gratitude. Having this attitude was a great blessing to her, and she in turn continues to be a blessing to the church and to the world. Make it your goal to thank God in all circumstances. For even for even in tough times, God really does run our cups over in blessing in so many ways. See Psalm 23, verse 5. Take time to thank and praise God for His goodness. Don't focus on the negative things in life. Focus on the blessings. It will change your whole outlook on life. Also, being grateful to God for His goodness will stir up joy in your life. Be mindful, too, that being genuinely grateful makes you instantly rich in the truest sense of the word. Ask God to anoint you today with a spirit of praise and gratitude. Instead of complaining about the rain, thank God for watering his beautiful world for free. Instead of complaining about not feeling well, thank God you are alive. Instead of complaining about having to clean your house, thank God that you have a home to live in. Instead of being impatient with family members, thank God for the gift your loved ones are to you. Instead of complaining about your job, thank God that you have a job and an income. Instead of complaining about the world, thank God for the opportunity to pray and help change the world to be a better place. Give thanks in all things. And do remember this, being a genuinely grateful person will bless you tremendously. Crosby lived out both the literal and biblical meaning of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, but by doing so obediently, she became an example of Colossians 3.23 and gave her praise to God for thousands of tongues to sing. Praise and thank God daily and often. Living life with an attitude of gratitude really is its own reward. Again, the title of the article, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward. If you'd like to get a copy, simply email us at joseph at afr.net. We'd be glad to get it to you. Again, joseph at AFR.net. And, of course, we continue to remind you, we encourage you to use these articles as tools and resources for your own spiritual growth, also to be shared with and for the discipleship of your own family, but also to be forwarded and shared with coworkers, fellow church members, uh, friends, and people you know, saved and unsaved individuals as well. They're all meant to be evangelism and discipleship tools. Hope you'll email us again, joseph at afr.net. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up now in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. 
After this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanan his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally with Hanan the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent by his servants to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land, excuse me, and David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan, their, their lord, Do you think because David has sent his comforter to you, his comforters to you, that he is honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy it out to overthrow it? So Hanan took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. When it was told David, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth-Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maacah with 1,000 men and the man of Tob, 12,000 men. And when David heard it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the Ammonites came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rahab and the men of Tob and Maacah were by themselves in the open country. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. Verses 1 through 9, 2 Samuel chapter 10. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
music of Life Church Worship with Where the Spirit of the Lord Is. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 10, beginning at verse 9. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in the charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, they likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. But when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together, and Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the Euphrates. They came to Helam and Shobach, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, at their head. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Helam. The Syrians arrayed themselves against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed of the Syrians the men of 700 chariots and 40,000 horsemen and wounded Shobach, the commander of their army, so that he died there. And when all the kings who were servants of Hadadezer saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore. 2 Samuel chapter 11 In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David, when Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your face, excuse me, and wash your feet 
And Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank, so that he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him so that he may be struck down and die. And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting, and he instructed the messenger, when you have, when you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, then if the king's anger rises, and if he says to you, why did you go so near the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Did not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, The men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said to the messenger, Thus shall you say to Joab, Do not let this matter trouble you, for the sword devours now one and now another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it, and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 12 And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his and with his children. It used to eat from excuse me, it used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David encouraged Excuse me. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, the child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself 
and changed his clo- and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return, but he will not return to me. And David had comforted his wife, Bathsheba, and went in to her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Now Joab fought against Rabah of the Ammonites and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I fought against Rabah. Moreover, I have taken the city of waters. Now then, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. So David gathered all the people together and went So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabah and fought against it and took it. And he took the crown of their king from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and the people returned to Jerusalem. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God on an ongoing basis. We're continuing to encourage you. If you don't already have the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every day, today is a good day to start that very important habit. And parents, having your children read three chapters out loud to you every day, that's a great habit that will bless them and you a lot as well. Hope you'll do that. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back.
Hillsong with Oceans. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament. The New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, Each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each one has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. 
the wife should not separate from her husband. But if he does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of sin. Excuse me. Do not become slaves of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there, there let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, 
how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having their desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there's no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the God there's one, God the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will, not commend us, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Verses 1 through 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. You're listening to the Hour of Intercessions. We've been reading through the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, again for your Word and the many ways that your Word blesses us encourages us, strengthens us, nourishes us, and ministers to our mind, body, and spirit. Thank you for the many ways your word is continually empowering us to be and do what we're called to be and do. Help us, Lord, more and more to grow an understanding of how critical a place your word needs to play in our lives and help us to be diligent. In spite of busy schedules, full schedules, many things to do, help us to know that we're wise to make it one of the great priorities of our lives, to fill our hearts and our minds with your word every day. Help us to know, Lord, that nothing will bless us, empower, strengthen, nourish, 
and guide us like your precious word and help us to always live in a listening mode, reading and meditating on your word each and every day. And Lord, more and more, help us as parents to be wise and diligent enough to help to fill our children's minds with your word every day. Help us to be wise enough to make it a high priority to have them to read your word out loud to us so that they, so that they know that the word is being planted in their hearts and their lives and that our children can receive the tremendous, tremendous blessing, grace, and benefit of filling their hearts and their minds with your word each and every day. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession, as we usually do before we end the broadcast. If you are listening today and you know you have never made the eternally important decision of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, today is a good day, a great day to make that very very important decision. If you'd like to make that decision, would you, from your heart, simply pray this prayer with us and invite Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of your life and save you. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things that I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and live for you all my life. Thank you, Lord, again for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. If you prayed that prayer and committed your heart to the Lord today, we very much would like to be in communication with you. My email again, joseph at afr.net. We do want to get to you, want to share with you some literature and resources that are discipleship resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, please do get in touch with us again joseph at afr.net. We hope to hear from you. If you'd like to get a copy of the article we shared earlier, the title, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward, same email. Simply email us, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get it to you. Thanks for listening. Again, as we always are honored to be able to share the reading of God's Word as we do the broadcast, reading through the Word. If you're not reading the Bible every day, today is a great day to start the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every day. That's a habit that will bless your socks off. Hope you, that, you, that you will do it. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.